Hey, 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 how's it going? This is Heidi Kumjan. I'm your host. For those of you that don't know me, I'm a certified holistic health and nutrition coach with a passion for non-toxic living. I'm also the host of this podcast, and I love bringing on super amazing guests in the field of longevity and non-toxic living. Today's guest is someone who I've been looking up to for a while now because she is really one of the pioneers in the field of educating people on non-toxic living and non-toxic products. Her name is Leah Sajdi. She founded the website Momovation. And she also founded a conference centered around all of this called ShiftCon. Leah is a wealth of information when it comes to consumer health activism. She really is doing all the research. She's working with a number of researchers and universities, testing products to make sure the products in our lives are free of chemicals. And I'm so grateful for her and the work that she is doing in shedding light and bringing attention to these chemicals and really inspiring people to make better purchasing decisions for their health and for the planet, but also moving the market and showing brands that they really need to be better. So she's really a part of that whole movement and we need to thank her. I was fangirling this whole episode. It's so good. We're actually just focusing on PFAS in this episode. So PFAS are a chemical that you're going to learn all about. And it's a chemical that everyone should be learning about. It's a class of chemicals. So anyways, let's welcome Leah Sedgety. And before that, please make sure you're following along on at lifelong underscore pod on Instagram as well as at Holistic with Heidi on Instagram. And make sure you tag this episode, put it in your stories, tag me. And yeah, it just helps get the word out. This is all super important information. And the more we can share it with people, the more we can help people live healthier lives and also save our planet. So it's super cool. With that, let's welcome Leah Sedgety. Hey, Leah, what's up? Hello, Heidi. How are you doing? How's it going? It's going great. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. I am kind of fangirling as someone who is super passionate about low toxic living, non-toxic living. It's always so fun talking to people that get it. I like to say there's the people that get it um, and they're just aware and I love all of the work that you're doing over at Momovation. And I would love if you could start out by sharing a bit about Momovation and how you got started and what inspired you to start Momovation. Oh, wow. Okay. So Momovation is about 15 years old. It's been around for a bit. Um, I might be giving myself maybe an extra year or so. I'm just like kind of rounding up, but it's been about 15 years. So 
quite a bit of time in the space. And in that time, we've morphed and changed quite a bit from being like um, like a weight loss, kind of healthy living type of site to non-toxic, you know, completely 100%. And, you know, as with anyone else in the world, we I took my time getting to where I am, you know, and, you know, I, I had, I, I wasn't here right away. So if you, if you could think about me in college, I was, you know, eating Jack in the box and McDonald's and, and, you know, as a college student and, and, you know, and it wasn't really until I became a mother that I started kind of looking into toxicity issues because of course now my, I had to take care of other people and I didn't want to mess up. Right. And so I, I made that more important, but you know, if, if you, if you think about, you know, the toxicity angle of momovation and how it started, it had to do with my family. And when I was in college, uh, after I was in college and I was first married to my husband, um, I got pregnant pretty quickly just because I had a feeling I had to. And, and, and later, after I got pregnant, I found out why. My father was mm-hmm. diagnosed with fourth stage mesothelioma cancer. And that type mm-hmm. of cancer, there's no fighting it. It just takes you. It's not like all the other cancers. And it's based on asbestos exposure. So um, Mm. we found out right away um, when I was four months pregnant. And my father said, I will be here to see my first grandson. Absolutely. And, you know, had I not listened to Mm. that little voice in my head, we would not, he would not have seen his first grandson. Yeah. So, you know, that was kind of my first real experience of what happens to families when toxicity issues and the world combine, you know, and how Mm -hmm. things that you don't think about can be a big problem later in life. And then later I lost my uncle, I lost another uncle and I lost an aunt and it was all to cancer and things like cancer. So Mm. I went, we went from having a very close knit extended family to just being decimated, you know, and then all of my cousins went to college in different states and stuff. And I was just left back here in California and it was my mother and my husband. And of course I was starting up a family, but it just really, it just really inspired me personally to do work in this area of health and wellness and non-toxicity and those types of issues so that I Mm -hmm. could do work so that families in the future wouldn't have to deal with what I dealt with. And that's kind of like where my heart is. And so when I'm doing um, all of the work, I'm not actually thinking, I'm, I'm probably not thinking about what you think I'm thinking in. I think three to one, three and one. Now, what is that? That means if I see a woman who's pregnant, there's actually three souls that I'm looking at. I'm looking at her, I'm looking at the baby, but that if that, especially if that baby's a girl, she already has her eggs inside. It's already there. Mm -hmm. So that's three generations in one. And now knowing what we know today and how incredibly delicate pregnancy is and how things have to happen hormonally in what you've got minutes, you've got seconds, you've got days, and things have to happen exactly right. The chemicals that are on my 
you know what list? <laughs> I was going to say it, but I'm not going to because I, I was going to say the S word, but I held myself back because sometimes I'm known to as well. Str- swear like a sailor because, hey, if you work in this industry, you got to just let it oh, go sometimes, right? Yes. So if you think about it in terms of pregnancy, this is a big deal. So I'm doing a lot of my work and my thought in my head is I'm working really hard for the people out there that aren't even here yet, for my grandkids who are not here yet, for everyone else's grandkids who are not even here yet. But today is the day to do that work to save them because they're already here. Like manifestations of them are already here. The physical part of it is already here. And we need to do our due diligence to protect it. One of my um, amazing advisors is Shauna Swan. And one of her her. uh, amazing, yes, yes. And by the way, she is kick butt amazing behind the scenes as well. Um, love her. If you, if you want like girl power, even though she does most of her work on, on sperm quality, it's ironic. <laughs> um, when I talk to the male scientists, they, they kind of say, yeah, we needed a woman to help us because we wouldn't have done it ourselves. You know, it took a female <laughs> so cool. scientist. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know, um, Shauna Swan is this amazing scientist. And what she did was a study on sperm quality over 30 years. So she looked at sperm quality from about 1972, I believe, to about 2011. And what she found was shocking. So in most of the first world countries, and the only reason it was done on first world countries is just because that's who collects sperm and has everything all organized. Um, And so they Mm -hmm. were able to look back at sperm quality since 1972, and it's a little bit over 50% of how much sperm has degraded since then. So a man in the 1970s was very uh, virile. That's like, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Like, boom, done. You know, (laughs) hang your hat on the bed. It's over. Now we're talking about 50% less virile and it's getting worse and worse and worse. And some of the estimates are saying that by the year 2040, 2050, it's going to be close to zero. And so, you know, this is not a little deal. This is a big deal. And I know everybody's worried about the population exploding, but in my opinion, I don't think it's going to continue to grow quite at that rate in first world countries because, especially because of the things we're dealing with right now. And that just is an example Mm -hmm. of hormone disrupting chemicals that are problematic to um, the production of androgen, testosterone. Mm -hmm. And PFAS, Mm -hmm. which we're about to talk about, is one of those chemicals. I'm obsessed. Um, Another chemical is phthalates, PFAS. So those Mm -hmm. are two chemicals Mm -hmm. that are really bad um, for reproduction for men, but it's also bad for reproduction of women too. So this is one of those things that's bad for everybody, but particularly bad for men. And so it took someone like Shauna Swan to study sperm because they weren't going to do it themselves. (laughs) It took Shauna to do it and to bring this to the forefront. But, you know, again, she's one of my amazing heroes in, in the work she's done and other women like her as well. Yeah. Well, you're a hero too. <laughs> so it's cool to Oh, so I didn't tell you what Momovation right was about. Okay. <laughs> so Momovation, basically what we do is my job is just to make life easier for women. So you, you don't need to have, or you shouldn't feel like you need to have a chemistry to raise a family or to live 
period, you know, and just to, you know, like you were talking about with your health problems, you shouldn't feel like you need a chemistry degree to eat something, to drink something and to put something on your skin, but kind of that's what we're expected to be because our government doesn't really give us a lot of help. And sometimes they throw caution up there and they put it on a website and they bury it or they don't talk about it. Or they just kind of say, oh, most of those chemicals are gone. You know, like I think it was this Mm -hmm. week that phthalates, which is another hormone disrupting chemical that's particularly awful for men, um, was given the green light by the FDA. No problem. No problem. And so, you know, you really need you really need to, again, again, given the green light, um, they basically said most of these phthalates, and I think they were talking about 32 of them, are out of out of commerce now. And so the ones that are there, that's just a little bit, and <laughs> you know, whatever. So that that's yeah. This is where we live. You know, it's not like we're living in right. the European Union where things are a little bit safer and they take these things a lot more seriously. But we live in the United mm-hmm. States, so you kind of do have a chemistry degree. Now that's very stressful for people, <laughs> you know. And so right, I, right. what I do is I basically make women's lives easier. And I, what I do is I, 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 I make life less stressful for you by investigating everything that you could bring inside your home, put it in categories of not our favorite, better and best so that you can make decisions based on your lifestyle, based on your access, based on where you're at. And then there's no judgment about it. It's like, it's based on mm-hmm. what you want to do. So, you know, we yeah. do, I also have a book out. I don't know if I've, if you're going to see this, if you've seen this, but I wrote a book about it as well. And it's kind of like the the 101 of how to detox yeah. your home. But in order to read this book, you cannot get offended easily because there's a lot of swearing in here. And Penguin <laughs> barely let me get away with it, which is hilarious. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, I'm going to link it, link it in the sh- in the show notes so everyone can read it. Yeah. So, I mean, essentially my struggles also came through my own health issues. So I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's uh, last year, but it took a really long time for me to figure out where I had Hashimoto's. And I started with detoxing my entire home. So it's kind of like you can see in the book, like, you know, it kind of represents what I did. Well, I had help when I detoxed my home and my help was scientists. I had access to some of the most world's most prized, amazing, brilliant scientists in the world. Um, my main scientist, Pete Myers, he actually coined the phrase endocrine disrupting chemical. So that is oh. the type of... Um, that is the type of schooling that I have received over the years. I don't have a science degree. My degree is actually, I have a master's in communication management from the University of Southern California. So what I'm really good at is breaking things down that are really complicated and helping the average Mm -hmm. person, basically democratizing science. And so I've aligned myself with scientists who really believe that a democratization of science is really important for consumers to Mm -hmm. understand what's happening, for them to make decisions decisions based on, um, you know, supporting the brands that are doing the hard work of detoxing products or making sure they never get in there and then just Mm -hmm. avoiding the ones that are not. And, you know, we believe that, you know, when everybody gets together and everyone's educated and everyone understands the issues, it kind of takes care of itself. People send more money to the better brands. The bad brands kind of look and miss that, you know, miss that money. And then they start to reformulate Mm -hmm. and change. And so that is a very quick way to change things is to educate people on this. And so I'm in ground zero on educating people on the dangers of PFAS right now. And it's one of my favorite things to do because I am obsessed. (laughs) 
Yeah. Well, education <laughs> drives motivation. So that's totally my approach too to the content I'm creating because it can be so overwhelming too. It's like, ah, oh, like, wait, everything's a chemical. You know, that mindset where people have, oh, everything is a chemical. It's, yes. Let's meet them where they're at. Let's share some education plus solutions. And I love that you always have so many solutions. But let's talk about PFAS because that's a big one. It's an endocrine disrupting chemical. It's found in a whole bunch of different things. Uh, What's the 411 on PFAS? Yeah. So, okay. So PFAS, they're perfluorinated chemicals. There's 12,000 of these suckers out there. So you don't think about it. You think the, the one chemical everyone has heard of is PFOA or PFOS. So if you ever see something on a label that says PFOA free, be very, very paranoid because they're only calling out one chemical out of 12,000. Hmm. Sketchy. Sketchy. <laughs> totally sketchy. So yeah, so there's 12,000 of these chemicals in the chemical class and they all have, what they all have in common is they have a carbon and a fluorine bond. Okay. So that's what they all have in common. And if you're into movies, um, Mark Ruffalo came mm-hmm. out with a great movie called Dark Waters that came out in 2020. Yes. And it's all about Dow Chemical because this all started with Dow Chemical and them polluting the waterways with people fast and then the animals dying and then this gritty farmer who you gotta love you know you gotta love oh yeah he just got really angry got an attorney and this attorney didn't want to listen to him and he had to like you know force mm-hmm. him to represent yeah, him no, it's and it's a, a great story, story. Yeah, but it's it's an important story because it shows you how this chemical can really damage the community once it gets into the water. And there's a lot of things and ways that it can get into the water, but we'll, we'll cover that in a little bit. What you really need to know is these are the chemicals that are water resistant, stain resistant, and oil resistant. And they are used in a lot of things in your life, things that you would never think about. They're completely ubiquitous. So when I tell you how to avoid PFAS. I'm telling you how to mostly avoid PFAS. You have to understand that there's no way to avoid them completely. But one of the big problems is of how persistent they are. They are so persistent, they have been dubbed forever chemicals because we literally have no idea how long they're really going to be here in the soil and in the mm. water and those types of places. And they're incredibly toxic. In fact, they're so toxic. Um, I'm, I'm putting up this new investigation on nut butters pretty soon. But Linda Birnbaum, who was the head of the NIEHS for about a decade. So in the federal government, she was in charge of a lot of these toxicity studies on the federal level. Mm. She basically said in a quote that PFAS affects every organ of your body. And so get an idea. It's, it's, it's pretty bad. Wow. So they wow. show up in products, but I'm going to take, take you a little bit on the health impacts, if you don't mind real quick. And yeah. I've got my yes, list here please. because there is quite please. a bit. Okay. One of the most like uh, recent things I would say is it attacks your immune system. So if you live in the world of COVID, right, where you're either vaccinated or not vaccinating, your immune system is really important regardless. And PFAS attacks your immune system. It basically makes it not work. Now, everybody is different. So everyone has like a bucket of how much toxicity they can handle before, you know, before they get sick. The problem with PFAS is it doesn't leave your body. Some of them leave in a couple weeks. Some of them are leaving in years. And I mean many years. So 
it's building up in your body. It's not like it's it's not like phthalates or other types of pesticides that you will release by urine within two to three days. No, 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 no. It's there and it's staying. So this is why it's mm. really important to make sure that you are, you know, consuming products that you know are either PFAS free or have a really low, low level of PFAS because it's building up in your system. You're not getting rid of it. And that's one of the reasons why the reduction in immunity is happening. In addition to that reduction immunity, it makes vaccines less effective. Now, there's several studies that have been done on this, most of them for children. And I believe it was like the MMR vaccine that they did the first one on, but it absolutely brings your immune system down so it stops working. So when you're getting a vaccine, say maybe COVID vaccine or any type of vaccine, your response to that is supposed to be an immune response, right? Well, Right. It's not working as well. So that's another reason why PFAS is really bad and very timely for right now. The other thing it does, which is one of my personal not so favorites, is your metabolic rate. It slows down mm. your metabolic rate. And so it's linked with things like obesity and diabetes because if your metabolism goes way down and you you're starting to get very big, but it doesn't matter about the calories. It's just slowing you down, you know? So that's another thing. Mm -hmm. um, cardiovascular diseases, so heart diseases. It also affects development of children. So growth, learning, behavior, all of those things in, in infants and older children. Um, it increased the risk of allergies and asthma in young children as well. Um, and here's the tough one. Miscarriages, increases risk of miscarriages. Um, there's some studies, not a lot of studies on that, but some studies where we can kind of worry about that. Um, cholesterol, mm -hmm. it increases your cholesterol mm -hmm. levels. It also lowers sperms ca sperm counts, like we talked about before, um, and actually also been linked to smaller penis size. So if a pregnant woman is exposed in, in, to PFAS, the boy could be smaller when he comes out. So maybe his father is a little bigger. He might not be quite as big when he gets to be an adult. So yep. even yep. physical changes like that. Um, and mm -hmm. also increases the risk of kidney and testicular cancers. So there's a lot of health impacts. And a lot of the studies have been done. And Linda says basically almost every organ is impacted in some way, shape, or form. And so that's, that's what it is. This is like one of those really bad chemical classes that yeah. we really need to start moving on. Um, and as consumers, we can start doing things first. Now, where are these chemicals, right? Because yeah. the ubiquitous- Everywhere. <laughs> they, they're everywhere, but they're not everywhere at the same time. You know what I mean? I know we say that, but it's right. actually getting better as I'm doing this, which is, which is yes, awesome for yes. me, but I'm also exposing a lot of it. So people are running to <laughs> clean it up. Um, okay. There are solutions. And me saying everywhere is just- saying that, yeah, that there, it feels like a little overwhelming. I'm trying to, you know, sympathize with those that feel overwhelmed, but there are great alternatives and good options, which we'll go get into later. So in your day to day, the, one of the biggest things that you're going to be exposed to is through cookware. And so if you have nonstick pans, those nonstick pans are coated with a chemical called PTFE. That is a PFAS chemical. And there's a lot of different iterations of PTFE. So that's, it's kind of a polymer. It's when uh, it becomes a polymer. So kind of like, I think most of us would understand it as like a plastic. It turns into kind of like a plastic and they coat it on the pans. Over time, that leaches off into our food and we're exposed that way. So that's one way. Avoid nonstick pans. Avoid, avoid, avoid. Um, number two, clothing. And I know you're really big on clothing. So jackets, yes. raincoats, tents, anything that's stain resistant. 
So if you are a mom and you're going to go get uniforms for the kids, if it says stain resistant, excuse me, avoid it because it very, very, very likely has a PFAS chemical in it. So stain resistant clothing, Mm. stain resistant fabrics, going into textiles and fabrics, it's in furniture. And that's the same idea, stain resistance. So if it's a stain resistant or water resistant fabric, you want to avoid that because they're basically telling you that they put a PFAS chemical in there by telling you it's stain resistant. So you want to avoid that and just (laughs) clean things, even though try not to drink the wine in the white carpet. You know what I mean? Just like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) like you just got to think about these things. The fact, I know you're, I don't mean to interrupt, but I do like, I want to dive into the clothing thing for a second because they are concentrating too. And these yoga pants, they're concentrating in such a vulnerable area of the body. Right. Right. And it's more absorbable and things like that. So talk, talk about that for a second. I'd love to hear your So we did an investigation on yoga pants and athletic wear and sports bras as well. We also did period underwear. So Mm -hmm. these are all fabrics. The first one we did was period underwear. That was quite, um, that was my first one. And that's where we uh, we tested about 17 brands and found it in 65% of the crotches in period underwear. And that's where my mind Mm. blew up. And that was my first investigation. And it makes sense, you know, because they're trying to capture this liquid, right, and hold it tight. So that's an instance where plastic is healthier for you and you want plastic in your period underwear and you don't want PFAS because one Mm -hmm. is going to stay in your body for a very long time, possibly your lifetime. And the other one is just a little tiny thin sheet of plastic. And so period underwear was pretty, pretty... um, just awe-inspiring in a, not a good way. Um, we also did athletic wear and sports bras. So for athletic wear, we tested, let me see here, 31 different brands or 31 different products. And of that, we found it in eight, but it was all in the crotch area. So that's 25% of what we tested had indications of PFAS in the crotch. So that's problematic. And I mean, well, hopefully you're wearing some underwear in between yoga pants. I don't know if you're not, but you know, hopefully you are and you've got a little bit of a barrier. And then um, the other thing is in sports bras, we tested 23 sports bras and found indications of PFAS in 14 of them. So that's 65% of sports bras. This is the one that uh, concerns me actually the most because the sports bras were in that inner fabric material that's right next to your nipple and your breast. That's where we found it. We didn't find it in the other parts of the, the the sports bra. We tested quite a few, but then when we started testing that little sheath, we found it. Boom, 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 boom. Sixty five percent of the time. Now, for women who are breastfeeding, this is a big deal because you have the ability to expose your child to PFAS directly, right? Because you're wearing the wrong sports bra. Think of it like this. Now, I, I don't know. I don't know if you have children or not, but there's a lot of people who do, and when not- your baby is little, <laughs> when your baby's little and you put them up for a nap, they never go down for a nap, you know, or, or something like they'll, they'll, they'll always wake up, right? And say you're trying to lose weight or something because you got like, I don't know, 40 pounds to work off and that's how much you, you gained. So you turn on whatever, you know, yoga or Pilates or Tybo. I'm really big on Tybo and I know that dates me, but whatever. So Tybo and you sweat, 
sweat is one of those things that PFAS sticks to or it gets into. And we know that through studies. And so you have sweat. Say you haven't showered yet and the baby starts yelling. You go up, get the baby and you breastfeed. You have now exposed the baby to the PFAS in the sports bra potentially expose the baby to the PFAS in your sports bra. Absolutely. So in, 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 in cases of sports bras, I feel like this is the most problematic situation. For everybody yeah. else, um, when you're sweating, you are pulling PFAS out because it's attracted to your sweat and it could be being deposited germinally. Now, the problem is we don't have um, studies about dermal exposure of PFAS. We really don't know what happens. But if it's uh, anywhere close to other chemicals, it's not too far off from what, you know, eating something would be. It would still get into your, mm-hmm. it's tilted into your, your your system based on that. So we looked at it in athletic wear, sports bras, period underwear, and we for sure found it. So for yoga pants, it was in the crotch. For athletic wear, um, oh, I'm sorry, for yoga pants, it was in the crotch. For sports bras, it was in that sheath right now next to your nipple. Um, And then period underwear, it was right there. Um, As we keep testing, brands seem to get better because when we find stuff, um, Mm -hmm. you know, the community is like, what the heck, you know, and then they have to start looking into their, you know, their practices. Sometimes these things are added on purpose. Like if I'm seeing it in a yoga pant, absolutely. I think it's going to be on purpose because if it's in the crotch, but not in other areas, like, hello, um, you know, seems pretty, um, Pretty, pretty like, you know, simple explanation on that one. But sports yeah. bras is interesting. I just don't know the answer to if they're adding it or if the the practices of this particular material that all of the or 65% of these, you know, the sports bra companies are purchasing. I don't know what's going on with that because this is a material that they're not making themselves. So, you know, we don't mm-hmm. know if that's if that's um, intentional or not, but it is there um, or indications of it is there. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, fabrics can be a, a big issue. And the, the thing is, you just want to be just a little bit precautionary because usually it's safer to be precautionary than just to throw caution to the wind and find out later that you've been exposed to some crazy thing through whatever you decided to wear. But the worst, the absolute worst um, pants, and they're not really athletic wear, but... um, Oh, uh, not Lululemon. It's the it's the one that everyone sells in an MLM, and I'm forgetting they just did the documentary on it, and we tested that one. Oh. Help me, Lularoe, Lularoe. I've never oh. heard of that. <laughs> Thank God you've never heard of that, but other people will have heard of Lularoe. There's a documentary about this MLM on Netflix, and it's kind of like you know it's total horror show. But uh, oh but my gosh, the, the crotch of those were the worst out of. Everyone we tested. <laughs> so oh my um, gosh. you want to stay away from those Lula Rose because I, I, I don't know about every single pair yeah. that's been produced, but the one that we and tested had had indications of uh, PFAS in the crotch. And I believe it was over 300 parts per million. Mm-hmm. I want to say it was- What was the best brand you found? Oh, we had a lot of best brands, but one of my favorite brands is Packed Organic. Um, Packed Organic. I love Pact. Yeah, yeah. Great brand. And one of the reasons why I really like, we, we tested their sports bras, we tested their, um, their uh, yoga pants. 
why I really like this brand is not only are they organic, but they also have pockets. So I have the little organic pockets, you know, to put my cell phone. Uh That wasn't a thing back in the day when you just had, you know, during Tybo when that was a craze, I could have (laughs) used that, you know, but um, I always, I always joke around with my husband. Um, It's so funny. We go out for, my husband and I go for walks all the time around the block and stuff. And, you know, I I look at him and I'm like, oh, the patriarchy. And he he knows that to me. There's no pockets. And so he's like, I'll carry your phone, honey. (laughs) All I have to say to him, oh, honey, the patriarchy's struck again. He knows that oh my gosh. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a really good one. Yeah. Pockets are a big deal. My my sister-in-law gave me a dress the other day, 100% silk, which is cool. Ah, um, yeah. And she said, it has pockets. It's 100% silk and it has pockets. So I'm like, and you sold me. It's, nat- me so excited, it's natural. <laughs> it's natural fiber. And it has pockets. Wow. Perfect. You just like checked <laughs> off every, you know, every checkbox available for us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for going on that necessary tangent that I induced about apparel because I have been trying to educate my audience about toxins and everything. But lately, I'm trying to bring more um, awareness to the toxins in clothing. Obviously, right now we're talking about PFAS, which are um, extremely dangerous and something we need to pay attention to. So I appreciate that. There are other things like pesticides and things like that that are found in apparel. Um, Did you know you can find PFAS and pesticides? There you go. Not on purpose, there you though. Go. A couple, it was last year, the year before that, they were finding PFAS in pesticides. And so the government goes to the pesticide companies and be like, why are you adding PFAS? And they're like, we're not adding PFAS. And they're like, well, how is it getting in there? The plastic. The yep. plastic companies were fluorinating the plastic. So those jugs were fluorinated. Uh-huh. That's PFAS. Wow. And so the yes. pesticide was breaking down the fluorination on the on the plastic and it was getting into pesticide the pesticides. Mm. So crazy. Oh my gosh. Fluorinated plastics. Yeah. Crazy. That that's another, you know, crazy. part of this this industry well, where and micro microplastics and polyester right. and things like that. Obviously, you said, too, they can get out of your system quicker than PFAS, but it's still something to be aware of. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Do you want me to go through the rest yeah. of the stuff where, where you're finding yeah. it? So we, we did textiles and clothing and fabrics. <laughs> we also have carpeting and flooring. However, there's some good news on carpeting. Carpeting is actually getting better. It's not every carpeting brand anymore. And you know, that was your right. um, stain resistant carpets. Um, Home Depot is one of those brands that if you purchase your carpet at Home Depot, they've, they've assured people that there will be no PFAS in it. I've tested, personally tested Mohawk, which isn't sold through Home Depot. I don't think so, but um, personally tested that. that, And they don't even claim to be PFAS free and yet they didn't have any indications in there. So carpeting is actually getting better. Um, It used to be that we would just say it was in all carpet, but it's not in all carpet, Mm -hmm. um, at least where I'm not finding it. And, you know, but I have found it in uh, different floorings and stuff like that. So we did an investigation on bamboo flooring. We 
tested about seven different brands and we found them in six out of the seven. So mm. please go by momovation.com if you're about to put some flooring into your home and check out which bamboo flooring is the best. Um, we specifically selected bamboo for several reasons um, because you can wear heels on bamboo flooring. You know, it doesn't dent as easily. It's a very hard wood. It's also less expensive, uh-huh. you know, um, and it, people are just using it like crazy. It looks good. You can stain it any color. So um, because yeah. of all that, we did, we looked at bamboo flooring and found one. That's smart. But in addition it's to flooring, food packaging. Food packaging is a big deal. So this is any fast food place, but the places that you wouldn't expect it as well. Chipotle is one of the places that you wouldn't expect to find PFAS, but we are actually finding PFAS in quite high numbers. Um, and what, what's happening is those those cane sugar bowls, I don't know if, if, if your audience knows, but their cane sugar bowls are made yeah. out of the leftover cane sugar from, you know, the sugar process. And then but holding them together is PFAS. So the vast majority of those kind of like brownish looking bowls that you think are sustainable and oh my gosh, they're so cool. All the, the yep. restaurants have been grabbing them. Most of those actually contain PFAS. So it, here's something I wanted to let your audience know. If you see it, you know, the the, the rule of leaching is heat, um, oil, and um, heat, oil, and like, oh God, I'm going to lose my train of thought. Heat, oil, and one mm-hmm. other thing. It'll come to me later. That's okay. Um, that's okay. But you just, you know, if you put something cold in there or something that's, you know, not hot, fat, that was it, fat, high fat. Okay. So if you put something uh-huh. that's not fatty or you put something that's not, you know, hot in there, you're probably not going to have as much of a problem if it's cold, you know, it's like a cold salad mm-hmm. probably, but, you know, you're putting dressing on it. So, you know, I would just, in the, in the packaging realm, right. you want to, you want to actually look out for those more sustainable looking uh, food packages because I found that those are higher. Um, and and just talk to the restaurants and say, you know, have you tested this for PFAS or do you know if this has PFAS in it? Because a lot yeah. of these cane sugar bowls and um, containers and takeaway bags actually do. But it's also in places like uh, we went and we tested In-N-Out the other day and I found it in a burger wrapper mm-hmm. in In-N-Out. So, you know, um, there's most of those fast food restaurants are having problems with that. But a lot of them are starting to reformulate. So Chipotle is one of them that's going to reformulate. I think Chick-fil-A. I, oh, good. I want to say Burger King, but I'm not sure. Um, but there's a lot of these brands who are starting to be like, oh, okay, mm. well, that's one liability yeah. that we don't have to have. We should just get a better product, you know? So they, they are starting to move here, but... This gets me thinking, and I, I think about this all the time because I'm in, I'm in this realm, but the sustainability word versus non-toxic. Everyone knows about sustainability. Everyone, most people want the sustainable product. They, they, they'll spend the, you know, extra money for a more sustainable product. They, they feel better about sustainable purchases. However, being someone that understands toxins and being passionate about non-toxic living, how, how do you feel about these two terms and do you, sustainability and non-toxic, and do you feel that there's going to be more awareness towards non-toxic and realizing that sustainability doesn't mean it's good for people. Maybe yeah. it's 
better for the planet slightly, but a lot of times it's not good for people. You know what I mean? What what are your thoughts on that? Well, there's two problems. One that you're clearly bringing up that they're in conflict with each other sometimes. The non-toxic option Mm -hmm. isn't always the sustainable option. You know, an example Mm -hmm. of that is maybe if you're getting grass-fed collagen. Grass-fed collagen um, that doesn't have a high amount of lead isn't available in the United States. You know, organic grass-fed collagen, that type of pure stuff comes from Brazil. You know, so yeah. these are these yeah. are these types of issues that are you know um, they they are in conflict with each other. But but I think that what the bigger bigger issue is these 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 descriptions they're not really defined, right? So I can right. say sustainable, and you can say sustainable, and someone down the street can say sustainable, and we all have three different interpretations of what our truth is, to what we think sustainable is. And so in mm-hmm. terms of marketing, that's always the problem: is you know brands make marketing claims based on things that are not defined, right? The only thing that's really defined right. is something that's either defined by the FDA or is a certification. So like if you see USDA certified or organic food. You know exactly what that is. You know that they have a farming plan, it's organic, and there's, you know, uh, um, a whole load of chemicals that they can't use, farming practices they need to maintain. You know what that means. And if they if they yeah. lie about it, they can be sued based on what they're not doing about in the organic standards. And so the, the, the problem is always about non-defined or non-descripted words where everybody's meaning is different. And it's funny, like the Mm -hmm. USDA used to actually have a definition for the term grass-fed. So for those people who eat meat, um, grass-fed used to be something that the FDA kind of watched over. But then I think it was about five, six years ago, they decided, ah, we're not going to do that anymore. You just tell us what you think grass-fed means. That's literally what they said to the brands. Mm. You submit Mm. to us what you think it is, and we'll just go by that. And so grass-fed, when you see it on, you know, it could be... 10% 10% grass-fed, it could be 20% grass-fed, it could oh. be 100% grass-fed. You just don't know with that term because it's not defined. Now, the flip mm. side to that is if you are a brand and you are using terms like that, and let's say an attorney finds figures this out, that's also something that he can sue you over because they can sue over those de- undefined terms. Because if you're saying you're natural and you've got PFAS in your product, ah, you're not so natural, right? So the the coin goes both ways. It's 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 not a good idea for brands to make statements like that unless they can back it up and they're the 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 tip of the spear. You know, they're the yeah, tip of the spear. Seems- I don't think there's a problem. And the attorneys are probably not going to go after tip of the spear type of brands that have everything, you know, but every other brand that's in the middle, I'd be careful with using terms that are not defined by the FDA or not defined by a certification. Yeah, it seems like certifications really help both the brand and the consumer. As a consumer myself, you know, I'm always trying to seek and learn about different certifications. Do you have any favorite certifications when it comes to, let's talk about clothing again, because <laughs> I've seen, you know, there's Oikotex yeah. and GOTS. Are there any other cool certifications out there well, that Oikotec people should know about? Well, are the big ones for clothing, and that's the ones we typically use. Um, there's good uh-huh. news and bad news on that. Um, GOTS products, I have found some PFAS in, but most of them I have not. So I don't know if it's um, as uh, defined as it should be yet. So they're probably 
hopefully going to work on that. Um, but that doesn't mean what, me finding it in one brand isn't, I think, um, telling of the whole industry or the certification process. But for Ocotech, mm-hmm. we have found a lot of PFAS in Ocotech. And they mm-hmm. actually allow some PFAS in. I think they're allowing P- PTFE type chemicals. Those are those polymers. So they're allowing those types of things right now. And the NGOs and people like me, we are pressuring them by exposing what we are finding right now and by calling out Ocotech to say, yeah, you're great in some areas, but in some areas, ah, not so great. So, right, I mean, it's not right. a perfect system. So, I think Ocotech is a lot better. They they don't necessarily prize themselves on not putting toxicity into the product. It's that it's not detectable by the time you buy it is, is more what they're about. So, it's more consumer mm. friendly. It's not necessarily the brand that's going to never use, you know, toxic dyes or not, you know, those types of things. They're just, they're, they are using some toxicity. They are using some um, problematic, or I would say unsustainable methods, um, but they're mm-hmm. just ensuring that they're not in the product. And so they have to do testing for that. So yeah, but then they mm-hmm. don't, um, they don't go all the way. So there's nothing like a good pair of GOTS pants, you know? So if you've got GO, it's just GOTS. So if you have yeah. that certification, you're pretty much golden. Um, and that's what you want. Want yeah. to look for, and and that that mm-hmm. is absolutely the best one that we found based on testing too. So, yeah, and they're not all great. I love that, but they are. But that one really is, yeah, yeah, got yeah. And I know they're the attorney like. <laughs> by name <laughs> really? because whenever I find people who, because I find things all the time where it's like they're claiming they yeah. have gots but they don't. Like some like uh, there was some mattress companies back in the day um, when mm. I did our first mattress investigation, and that was I believe six years ago. And what I found was just kind of stunning. Um, you have uh, mattresses that are using got certified material, but they're claiming that it's that they're got certified and they're not. So and and why that's important mm. is because when you have a certification yourself, all of the processing and all of the things that you're doing is under that certification. But if you're just using an organic cotton and throwing it in your mattress, you could be putting anything else in there and we just don't know what it right. is. Nobody knows because right. it's not certified. And there was a bunch, of ma- a bunch of mattress companies that were claiming that they were got certified and they weren't. They were just using some oh, organic cotton. They only use some Okay. So you go but into the GOTS database. Can, they can yeah. be GOTS certified truly though, right? Yes. There are good absolutely. brands. Okay. Yeah, because they, <laughs> they get GOTS certified on their own. You know what I'm saying? They get GOTS. Mm-hmm. And so you can go into the database and you can find mm. these companies and see if they have their yeah. own certification or if they're using someone else's certification. The best one ah. is if they have their own. If they're just using organic yeah. cotton, well, okay, that's nice. You used organic cotton, but if you changed it in any way, it's no longer got certified. And so I yeah. found so many... <laughs> I found so many examples of this, you know, in products that, of course, I'm emailing gods like crazy. And then the attorney just finding is like, just email me. <laughs> I'm the one that they're going to send all this stuff to. So I have it by oh, text so and email. Good. I know. I know. I'm oh such a pain gosh. in the butt. <laughs> no, but yeah, I love so that. As, we need yeah, people so like you. Person. You know what I mean? It's yes. like you got to speak yes. up. <laughs> hey, girl, I, I'm like... 
I'm obsessed over these types of things. So I'm just happy that somebody gets to benefit from my obsessions. Because if nobody yeah. did, it would just be me doing this and no one, you know, <laughs> no one else would know but me. And that wouldn't be helpful other than just us, you know. And But because oh I get gosh. to help serve others with this, it helps bring that ickiness out of me. So even though, you know, I'm doing all this stuff for everybody, it really is like this energy thing where, you know, I'm able to give and people receive that information and they're very grateful and I'm happy that I was able to do something, you know, so I, I think the world yeah. works itself out, right? It does. So we were also talking yeah. about another thing I know your audience is going to care about and it's makeup. Makeup yes. is one of the big areas. Yes. 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 Personal care products. So I have found it in makeup, tampons, feminine care pads, like incontinence pads and panty liners and stuff like that, tooth floss and toilet paper. So these are personal care products. You're absolutely going to find them in. Now, the big problem with this is, you know, in all of these types of brands, they don't tell you that it's in there. So it's not going to be on the label. Maybe it'll be on your tooth floss label, maybe, but probably not. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's one of those instances where we are working through all of these personal care uh, categories one by one. And if you go to momovation.com, you'll know exactly which, what makeup to buy, what tampons, which feminine care pads, and toilet paper to use. Um, the next one, if okay. you don't think about, is car wax snowboard wax. So, oh, yeah. um, you know, you don't think about that. Yeah. There are PFAS free products. You just have to Google PFAS free um, car mm -hmm. wax or PFAS free yeah. snowboard wax. But if you think about this, they are water resistant. They're creating water resistance so that, you know, if it's your car, you don't want the water to get into like, you know, the, the body. My, my husband freaks out over this too. Yeah. So he loves his car. <laughs> and so I know, you know, I don't remember what the brand is that we bought. Otherwise I would tell you, but snowboard wax too, because I know there's a lot of snowboarders and stuff like that, or anything yeah. that you can think of like uh, surfing wax, same idea. It's the same yep. idea. Yep. You can find products. You just have to Google PFAS free. And then yeah. you'll be able to find them. Drinking it's like, water. Like, why can't we just Drinking. do uh, wax, like real wax? <laughs> I know. Like birds, uh, yeah. Like some beeswax. some brands are using like a combination of beeswax and paraffin, you know, um, mm -hmm. which is better than PFAS. Even though it's not perfect, it's better than PFAS. So it's a little bit of petroleum in there, but you know, if you if you hold the petroleum up versus the PFAS, totally, just just you know, go go for mm -hmm. go for the petroleum in a second, like the paraffins, you know, just to make sure you get away from PFAS because you don't want to be exposed. You don't want the world to be exposed, and that stuff doesn't break down in the in the ocean. It doesn't break down in the the dirt. The next one is drinking yeah. water. Drinking water. Now, this is kind of what happened with Dow Chemical. But the other thing um, that happened other than just, you know, uh, chemical companies putting it in the water, um, things like uh, things that you wouldn't think of. Um, what, what's happening is at air at, at military bases and at airports, pretty much all of them have firefighting foam that's uh, grease resistant. So it's a it's not like it's not the kind of foam that I don't know if you live in California, but when they have to douse the hills for, it's not that. No. It's actually something that they use specifically for grease fires, you know, grease resistance. Oh. So they're uh -huh. using, yeah. So a lot of the, these these PFAS chemicals were actually um, thousands and millions of tons of them 
when they use them at you know at the at the airport or the military base then get down into the drinking water because they get down into the groundwater and then they pollute everything so that's mm. people who have um yeah so if if check out your water district just to make sure that they've tested um uh and oh, and if they've tested I was on the if website they last week <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and it's kind of um I don't it's an touch eye opener. our water with a with a five foot Ten pole. Foot the water. Pole, right, right. Yeah, it's so bad. Where I live, I'm in Chicago. Um Oh Chicago, yes. It's horrible. Horrible, horrible. You can smell the chlorine. Uh, I'm in an apartment, so I don't have a full filter yeah. for like you can't because you can't control the water. Um at least on every single faucet. But I was brushing my teeth and this morning, actually, I noticed the worst chlorine smell. I'm like, oh, this is so bad. This is so bad. I can't wait for a full system one day. But I, you know, filtered my drinking water oh, and yeah. the bathing water. They've got some really good ones that, now but... that are on the counter. Um, we actually did an investigation the other day on all of the filters. Um, not all of them, but about 200 of them. And we based mm-hmm. our investigation on an independent study that was done just a few years back. And what they did with the study, and it was done in North Carolina, um, I believe it was with North Carolina, uh, North Carolina State University, because they have a lot of PFAS money. Um, from from the federal government because oh. they're monitoring a lot of these things. They okay. um, went to people's homes who had these different types of water filters and they tested the water from these people's homes to make sure the water filter was working. And so some fil- filters were say they take out PFAS, but they're only taking out a little bit or maybe three or four oh. types. So um, what we did is we looked at all of those issues. And I think this investigation looked at a total of like 12 different PFAS or 15 different PFAS chemicals. And not all of the brands that claim to take out PFAS actually get all of them. So if you go to our website, um, and then one of the tried and true um best ones are actually on the counter. It's AquaTrue. AquaTrue was yeah. one of those. And that's right on the counter. Um, Aaron Brockovich promotes it. Uh, we think it's great as well. It's plastic, so it's not the best, you know, but it, that's the cheaper method. They have an under the sink mm-hmm. model, which uses the same technology and that it sold out and it's back now. So run and get it if you want <laughs> oh, an good. under the sink uh, system, because that would be the best system. We have a discount code on our site if you care for a discount, um, but we highly recommend that oh, would yeah. be a great one to start only because that's been independently verified by um, a university and, and scientific study to be the one one of the, mm-hmm. one of the ones that do the best. But it, it was kind of surprising. There are actually some regular refrigerator filters that worked. You know, we found a lot of those in the studies that actually mm-hmm. were taking out four or five or six different type of PFAS, which was great wow. um, for people that own yeah. those refrigerators. Um, and then, you know, all kinds of different units. So but but the thing about PFAS that's really problematic is they're only really testing 12 to 15 of these chemicals right now. Um, so remember there's 12,000? We don't have the full picture. So even these water companies that are testing, there are not tests to look into those 12,000 chemicals. So that mm. is the part that blows my mind, which is why I have a system, even though we don't have PFAS in our water supply, there's a lot of other things in our water supply that are in pretty much everyone's water supply that I want taken out. And that's why I have a filter right. anyways. Um, yeah. But what I wanted to do was explain a little bit about the complications and the testing, just so that you guys could be just a little bit yes, smarter please. than everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> 
so you know about yes. this so that you can see the marketing and figure out what's happening. So most of the brands, when they call themselves PFAS-free, they're only really testing a limited amount of these chemicals. And they do these um, uh, th- these are expensive tests where they um, they find, identify these chemicals and then give you, you know, an amount. And there is only about 100 of these chemicals that you can identify. Now, if you're at a private lab, it's about 100, and that's a really good private lab. Most labs aren't going to be able to do more than maybe 60 or 70. So, and Mm -hmm. then you get to a really good lab, and they'll be able to do 100. A university lab, like my advisor, they can do about 150 and identify them. So, that doesn't really help us. So, in terms of how is it that Leah was able to test those 12,000 chemicals and figure out where there was indications of, what we do is marker testing. And so, do you remember how I told you it's a fluorine and a carbon atom? What we do is we do something called total organic fluorine testing. So it's it's elemental fluorine. The the laboratory looks for the chemical or the element fluorine. And when they find it, we say, okay, now how much of that fluorine is fluoride? Because fluoride is in that chemical class. And we want to pull fluoride out because we want to get really specific on what is natural versus what is synthetic and a PFAS chemical. And so Mm -hmm. when they pull out fluoride, you know, where the then we can see what is organic fluorine. And so we test for organic fluorine at 10 parts per million. And so if there are indications of, of uh, fluorine above that level, our lab will find it in things like uh, fabric, in personal care products, most of them like oils, mostly food, but we can't do it in water. Water is a totally different monster and it's very difficult to test. And so you, you do have to do mm-hmm. very different testing for that. But for what for our purposes, you know, we're testing at 10 parts per million and we're finding it in a lot of a lot of different um, things. But the thing is, is I'm not finding it in everything. I'm finding it in some things. Like uh, places that I'm not finding as much of it is food. So I'm testing a lot of food. And even though we are finding it, right, I'm not finding right. as much as I thought I was going to find. So that is actually good news that they're a little bit more cautious. Uh, the you know, all of the different industries just in general, but mm-hmm. I am finding it in high levels in uh, industries that don't have that many manufacturers. So ketchup, ketchup is one of those uh, categories oh. where I found quite a bit of brands had indications of PFAS according to our lab. And um, I couldn't figure out, you know, how is this happening? Well, you know, as I'm doing my investigations and I'm interviewing different CEOs and working with other companies, helping them become PFAS free, you know, so we have a lot of people that come to me that need help. And I am more than happy to help because my one hour of time that I instruct a CEO on what to go and what to look for can help thousands or millions of people. So, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's time well spent for me. But in the ketchup industry, there's only like three or four manufacturers. And so Heinz was pretty much the only brand that we found that consistently didn't have any indications of PFAS, but all the other ones sadly kind of did. The other one that uh, we found that didn't have it was um, uh, Whole Foods Organic Ketchup. So that brand, we didn't find indications of it, but I think it's white labeled at the Heinz factory. You know what I'm saying? Now, I interviewed another CEO and in this um, interview, he used to have, he used to be a CEO of another company that had a ketchup brand. And so I asked him, Mm -hmm. I said, you know, we're finding so much of this in ketchup. It was like 65% of ketchup. By the way, go to momovation.com if you want to see that. Um, 
Why is this I'll happening? <laughs> you know, and he's like, 65%, huh? He's like, well, there's only like three or four manufacturers in the United States that even make ketchup. So basically what that means is those three to four manufacturers have a problem and, mm. you know, Heinz doesn't. And so something gotcha. that small. And it can be something like, are they intentionally adding it? No. When it's a food product, they're never intentionally adding it. They don't do that to food. So how does it get into food? There's about 4,000 chemicals um, that are approved by the FDA as an indirect additive. And what that means is these are things that they add to machinery and things that are around the food that aren't supposed to go into the food, but the FDA recognizes that they can get in there and trace amounts. And so mm. one of those issues is, for instance, fluorinated lubricants. You wouldn't think about lubrication on a machine being a big problem, but in terms of food, there could be an issue with when it's applied, how it's applied, how much is applied, mm, and if yeah. it's fluorinated. 40% of those we found to be fluorinated. When we started looking into it, it looked about 40, 40-50%. And so half of the time, if these companies are choosing a fluorinated lubricant because it's you know, greasier or better. It's like, you know, right. it's got all the bells and whistles. It does all the stuff that we want it to do, but uh -huh. they're not thinking that it's fluorinated, i.e. PFAS and i.e. PFAS getting into whatever we're producing at this mm. manufacturing plant. So this is one of the problems that we're finding in the cosmetics and in food. Um, and when we did, uh, we did this big investigation with green beauty products and we tested 83 different um, like mascaras and lip glosses and stuff like that from 49 different green beauty brands. I didn't even bother with the regular stuff you get at the, at the you know, grocery store or Rite Aid or whatever because my people yeah. don't you know, they're not going to buy that anyways. So the only thing we tested was green beauty. We found it in 65% of green beauty. Most of the wow. time, it is not added on purpose. Most of the time. Sometimes they are adding it on purpose. I'm sure they will stop because some of them got caught. Um, but mm -hmm. uh, most of the time, this isn't added on purpose. We were actually privy to several brands reformulating behind the scenes and are still helping out green beauty brands. And one of the biggest issues that we found is fluorinated plastics. So it could be a storage mm -hmm. container that has some kind of ingredient. If you think about a vat coming over the seas, those – when I say vat, they're, they're actually called um, – oh, they're, I don't remember what they're called um, – Totes. They're called totes, but they're, they're, okay. they don't look like a little tote. They're these big, <laughs> huge, like vats of plastic, you know? And so okay. a lot of things come over the seas. Well, if it gets hot or, you know, what right. have you, there's a leaching issue. You know, it could be fluorinated mm -hmm. lubricants. It could be all kinds of things, you know, in, in terms mm -hmm. of like, where is it? So, you know, we're working a lot um, with all of these. Once we throw up an investigation, we eventually get contacted by these brands and they either uh, do one or two things. Things. They either tell me I hate you and they throw a cease and desist at me, or they say, thank you for doing this. Help us get this out. So of course the latter response mm. is my favorite because I'm more than happy to help them get it out. And then, you know, yeah. when they do reformulate, sing their praises because that's amazing. Thank you for doing that. Um, but yeah. that doesn't always happen. So um, the ketchup <laughs> uh, industry is a little uh, that's stabby, I would say. <laughs> interesting. Ketchup is so random. So I random. secretly we, love ketchup. <laughs> I know, and we don't know why. But now you know you can buy Heinz ketchup because we tested the organic stuff. We tested the regular stuff mm -hmm. in, the, in a glass bottle with the corn syrup. I even tested the packets. I went to an In-N-Out burger and I got the ketchup packets to test them. Yeah. All of that stuff was clean. Um, and then um, 
And then the Whole Foods was clean, Whole Foods organic. Wow. And then I, I think it's white labeled at the Heinz plant is what I think, you know, because it was clean. Yeah. So, um, but the rest of them, sadly, Interesting. no. Wow. I know, I know. Oh my so we also this got, is... um, I know. We were talking about processed foods. So the food investigations that we've done is ketchup, like I've just told you. We've done pasta sauce and cooking oils. And we're going to have nut butters are going to come out um, in, a, in a couple of weeks or maybe next week. Depends on how quickly I can get my advisory team to to you know fix it up and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, sometimes it takes three weeks. Sometimes it takes one week. Well, it just depends on what they're doing because well, they're so the busy. Well, by the time this um, goes live, it should be out. It should be out. It should be out. So we're actually partnered with Carnegie Mellon University and their Institute of Green Science. And they Mm -hmm. evaluate um, them and a couple other scientists, one from North Carolina State University as well. um, And and Linda Birnbaum, who was uh, head of the NIEHS for for a decade. That's our advisory Mm -hmm. panel on on a lot of these PFAS issues. Um, Actually, since... um, Oh, since we started doing uh, pasta sauces. Pasta sauces were pretty shocking, not for the reason that you thought they were, um, but what we found. So we uh, ended up testing how many pasta sauces? 55. We tested 55 pasta and tomato sauces. So, you know, the stuff that is in the glass jar that's like your marinara. Um, And we found... We only found it in four brands, but four out of those brands were all organic brands. So sadly, organic food doesn't necessarily mean PFAS-free food. Now, I did my due diligence and reached out to the Organic Trade Association. I know them very well. And I said to them, we're (laughs) finding PFAS in just pasta, organic pasta sauce with gives. And their response to me was kind of interesting. They basically said, it's not our problem. That's the FDA's problem. And I said, I think it's your problem. (laughs) I think your consumers are not going to like that. You may want to put that in the standards or at least kind of like look into it or do some education (laughs) for people on it or something. And um, it's not that I don't think that they're concerned. They're concerned. Um, But I I feel like there's a lot going on with PFAS and organic. Um, But the good news is if you're eating organic food, they're not allowed to use biosolids on the farmland. Now, what are biosolids? Biosolids come from waste management departments. And so that's kind of like when they clean all the soot and the stuff out of the water and then they have to put some place to put it. It's typically got a lot of PFAS in it. They sell that gook to farmers because it's high in nutrients. So it's high in all kinds of nutrients. It's called biosolids and the farmers spread it on their fields. Well, the problem for that is it's a forever chemical. So if you have been spraying or using biosolids on your field, you probably have it in the soil for decades and we just don't know how long it takes for it to leave. Now, a big problem right now in the organic industry is in the state of Maine, there is a farm called Songbird Farm. And they're really known for being a farm stand with like peppers and tomatoes and all kinds of stuff. They don't produce any animals. It's just, you know, fruits and vegetables. But they tested their produce and they found PFAS and they were floored because it was spread on the farm about 20 years before they bought the Mm. farm didn't go anywhere. Oh my gosh. So it's based on farming practice from decades before they bought the farm. They would have had For, no idea. Forever they, chemical. 
Forever Chemical. So the organic industry is is trying to reckon with this right now. So I don't know how quickly they're going to put PFAS in the in as an indirect additives in the standards. Um, and it's been very difficult for them to get anything passed through you know through Congress or through the FDA. You know they they um, yeah. recently Slow. kind of um, fixed up the animal standards and stuff like that. Uh, and that took a really long time and a lot of fight. Um, so. I feel like they're overwhelmed. They're not bad people over there. It's just that they're overwhelmed and they're kind of up against a wall most of the time. So yeah. um, I would just check out Momovation to see if we've tested it. Um, we yeah. found it in four organic brands. Um, and we actually, we did find it in some nut butters. You're going to find it in some nut butters. It's three out of four nut butters that we that we found it in. And um, mm. not three out of four organic, but we tested about 23 and we found it in about four, maybe five products, but I think it's four. I'm doing this off the top of my head. But we did find okay. it in three of those products were organic. So sadly, PFAS free is not an organic thing. Um, and, and why? The question is why? People want to say, but organic's always better. And yes, that is the case 99% of the time. But these organic manufacturers typically are older and they're specialized manufacturers. So sometimes they can be using products or maybe they're using a fluorinated lubrication and they just don't know. You know, there's a lot of issues that they might not be privy to. And I think, I think a lot of this is going to work itself out in the next two, three years as we continue to focus on food and find it and kind of throw it out there in public and they got to deal with the reckoning. But I think yeah. in four or five years, you're going to see a lot less of this. But for now, come to my site, see if I've tested it. A lot yeah. of times if I haven't tested it, ask me because sometimes I've tested a category and I just didn't find anything. So I just, you know, we just kind of moved on. Um, like mm -hmm. for instance, mayonnaise, I tested five, five mayonnaises, you know, even from one brand that had a bad ketchup and I didn't find it. And so I was like, Oh, okay. Maybe it's not in mayonnaise. You know, I'm not going to test the whole thing right away, but, um, yeah. typically what I do is I'll do a spot check of an industry. And if I find something, I just dig in and do everything just to yeah. give people uh, an understanding of, of what it is. Um, so we I talked about all that. We actually talked about everything right here. We did. And I think the yeah. last thing well, I so if you're yeah, if ahead. you're like a plumber or an electrician, you're totally screwed because you're impacted by these chemicals every day, like plumber tapes mm -hmm. and those types of things. Um, we talked about biosolids and so you know different things in manufacturing, but that's 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 the lot of it. And so that's why they call this chemical ubiquitous because if you think about what types of applications need to be stain resistant, water resistant, and grease resistant, there's a lot of things out there that need that type of help. And even though it's a great chemical for those purposes. Not such a good chemical when you think about the environmental impacts and the toxicity impacts. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my God. Can't thank you enough for diving so deep into one chemical, plus, plus all my tangent questions. I really appreciate it and love chatting with you and just well, appreciate the, the work you're doing and the, the passion you have for this and, and creating all of this, well, I guess bringing this information to light on Mamavation and being the person who is maybe putting herself out there and getting some nasty emails here and there, but it's because you're on a mission. You're on a mission. And I appreciate that. You know, it's nothing I can't handle. I'm a tough girl, <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> but I mean, I keep thinking about those babies that are not born yet. 
you know, and exactly. I will fight for them. Like exactly. I want grandkids yeah. one day. I got three boys and I want grandkids one day. So that's why yeah. PFAS chemicals in particular are, are something that I'm, mm-hmm. I'm striving not to be, not expose my kids to. But, you know, at the end of the yep. day, I think, you know, I, I want to be of service to mankind and, but I can't, I I mean, not everything interests me. So I'm going to do what interests me that I know can serve mankind. It makes me the tip of the spear and that's okay because, you know, um, I've got, I've got thick skin as well. Even though I'm a smiley person, I got pretty thick skin. (laughs) So I'm happy to do this. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. 